This podcast contains adult materials with descriptions some listeners may find distressing. Hot. Hello. Good day. Or night, if that's when you happen to be listening. You may have soaked up by process of osmosis that my name is Gary. Gary Strange. And believe it or not, I live in London. I am a citizen of London. I just so happen to live in the sewers. Currently... I am residing in the rather spacious pipelines of the Hammersmith sewer system. The reason these particular tunnels are so roomy is because Hammersmith is full of shit. Not the area. The area is a delight. Particularly the riverside pup, the Dove, renowned for its listing in the Guinness Book of Records as having the smallest bar room in the world. I simply adore cramped spaces where you unintentionally knock knees with your fellow imbibers of fine wines and okay spirits. You see, the reason the sewers are more accommodating in Hammersmith is because the residents here defecate more than in other boroughs. It seems to correlate with the fact that a large proportion of Hammersmith locals take antidepressants. One common side effect of SSRIs particularly sertraline, is that it gives its user an uninterrupted flow of diarrhea. How do I know this? Sertraline and my mother were intimate for some time, and even though she tailored off her dose over several weeks as instructed, she still had the runs till the day she died. So please, dwellers of Hammersmith, learn from mother's example and make sure you dose your antidepressants accordingly. Always heed the advice of your local healthcare professional and or drug dealer. Luckily, I've never needed antidepressants because I'm naturally a chipper guy. Nothing can bring me down. That's why I never use elevators. Another reason I'm so sprightly in spirit is because a fortune cookie once informed me that happiness is contagious. So spread it! I had great success with this in Wuhan. From my years as a mental health care professional, I have some concise advice, so please listen. If you want to cure depression, all you need to do is these three things. One, drink two liters of water a day. Two, take risks you wouldn't normally take if you were emotionally stable. Three, like the teetotal pop prophet prince who died of an overdose once sang, party like it's 1999. To give you an example of uplifting behaviors that cure foul moods, I would like to offer you another story from my own personal memory vault. It's a story that in fact happened right here in London's illustrious sewer system. Let me reveal all so you can savor a taste of what it is like to live freely and with grace. Now, I've always been hygienic in my own special way. 
Never thought of sewage as particularly sexual. Never thought much about sewage at all. But now, now's a different story. I had only just joined Thames Water as a Fatberg flusher. They had so many openings, they practically begged me to take the job. I must admit, I aced the interview. They said I seemed like exactly the right type of guy to spend my days and nights surrounded by raw sewage. And I take that as a compliment. I wasn't complaining. I was almost getting London living wage. And that's saying something. You may not know exactly what a fatberg is. So let Uncle Gary fill you in. A fatberg is a solidified mass of rancid fat, grease, oil, human excrement, and other unmentionables, which I'll mention now. Wet wipes, tampons, nappies, syringes, plastic bags, lighters, condoms, raw chicken skins, animal corpses, and sweet corn. There's always a bit of sweet corn somewhere. It's a very resilient variety of maize. If it's not chewed properly, it just holds form. Basically, anything a person can flush down the U-Bend or kitchen sink ends up in a fatberg. Here at Thames Water, we are currently dealing with a dozen fatbergs. The Mighty 12, as they are known. And the numbers are growing. If you live in the UK, it likely means there's a fatberg coming to a sewer near you. Now, as my mother would describe it, being a fatberg flusher isn't a job you leave school for. Some might say it's one of the least enviable jobs in Britain, but I beg to differ. It was the start of the pandemic, and it was a damn fine job, all things considered. I could be out and about in the open air of the sewers while the rest of the citizens of London, poor souls, were locked up tight in their abodes. Down in the depths, you don't need a mask. It isn't going to do anything for you. The stench is just too great. Besides, you are more likely to catch gastroenteritis down there than the dreaded 19. I've never been a great team player, so wandering solo with my pickaxe and my high-pressure hose to blast anything that crosses my path felt like I'd been offered a little slice of heaven amongst the darkness that infests this cruel world. Yes, once I did indeed blast one of my colleagues. In the gloom, it looked like he was a giant drenched rodent on the attack. It's not my fault I have early-onset cataracts. And at the end of the day, he only spent a night in ICU. All is forgiven, at least on my side. It reminds me of the time Dick Cheney shot his friend in the face with a hunting rifle because he thought he was a quail. That friend apologized to Dick publicly for the confusion and upset he caused. Good man, we need more like them. I'd been doing the rounds, getting my training, and blasting my way through a series of mini-FBs, as we like to call them in the biz. My favorite fatberg? Knightsbridge. Don't be fooled. The paw shows really know how to inundate a sewer with foulness. Remnants of foie gras, quail's eggs, goose fat, quality gear. And so much free coke down there, I didn't even need my before-work caffeinated beverage. There's a colossal one in Chinatown. But that's unsurprising. With 79 eating establishments along two streets, those sewers are a labyrinth of congealed cooking oil. Asian food is seriously yum. And now I know why. And then there was that fateful dawn on the South Bank 
when my superior, Dennis Davis, called me into the Blackfriars Road porta cabin, and my whole life changed forever. Candidate 405-689-ABCDEFG, otherwise known as Mr. Strange. You've completed your training, and I've got to say the whole team have been ruddily impressed by your enthusiasm and unwavering gung-ho attitude, not only to spending hours on end in these sinking pits of hell, never complaining, never asking for a break, never even vomiting on the job. Yes, you may have gagged once or twice, but you gagged with style. We've never seen a man like you in the field. You were born for this. There's no two ways about it. Just doing my job, El Capitan. Keep up the rugged work. And if you ever want to take off your shirt while you're down there getting dirty, be my guest. I'm not sure there's any need for that, sir, but thank you for the opportunity of freedom of expression. Look, it's mucky work, and a man's got to do what a chiseled man's got to do. And if that's taking off his shirt and togs and lying face down in the shit to make diarrhea angels, I, for one, am not going to judge him. That's all I have to say on the matter. Right you are, sir. Now, we both know you are the best of the best, even with only three weeks training under your belt. It's remarkable. I've trained hard, sir. No, I mean your belt. It's remarkable. Where on earth did you get it? TK Max, sir. TK Max. Let me just write that down. TK Maxx, remarkable belts. Save that for the weekend shop. Now, most people quit a few days into the job. They simply can't handle the retching and the heaving and the rancid, cloying stench that glues itself to the flesh days after being down in the hole. But not you. You, my boy, are a trooper. A super trooper. I'm flattered, sir. But the training doesn't stop here. Thameswater needs you to single-handedly obliterate the largest fatbug we've seen this side of the M25. We call it the Blobmeister. We've sent down many a flusher to tackle this bad boy, and I'm afraid to say we've lost several good men with fantastic chests. You mean they quit? I mean they're dead. Gosh. The Blobmeister is located under the South Bank. Right where the tourists do their eating, drinking, and world-beating culture consumption. It snakes across 750 meters of our finest sewer network, just south of the river. My, that is large. It's a big one, but so are you. I can see from the indent of your shirt you could fry an English breakfast on those pecs, and I guarantee those eggs would be done just right. I can't stand overcooked eggs but I can give you more details about that over a pint or some other type of alcoholic beverage. Perhaps at the Dove, which is famed for having the smallest bar room in the world, so you inadvertently bump uglies with your neighboring drinking partner. Have you heard of it? Not till now, sir. Well, forget about it. Right now, we have work to do. Absolutely, sir. Here's the plan. You're going to blast it, lambast it, elastoplast it. Do whatever you have to to make that sludge fest disappear. Do you hear? Yes, sir. You know where the nearest hospital is? St. Thomas's, sir. Good on you, man. Godspeed, Mr. Strange. You're going to need it. Please, 
Call me Gary. Gary? What kind of a first name is that? It's been passed down from my mother's side. Family tradition. Odd. Very odd. Well, Gary's strange. Go with God. And so I did. I had my orders, and I was going to complete my mission come hell or high water. And the water is high down there, and undeniably smells like sulfur. Luckily, I have slightly webbed feet, so in some unexpected way, I was built for this task. Perhaps Jesus knew this was my greatest challenge, and had prepared me since I was a wee lad getting picked on in the paddling pool for the excess flabs between my toes. We'll never know. But this is what I did know. I had a job to do. First, you get ratcheted down a manhole attached to a Thames water van with a rope, much like a dog lead, so they can pull you up if you get into a bit of a pickle. I lumber down the ladder, and here I am, in the belly of the South Bank sewer. The first thing that hits you is the smell. Lips involuntarily pucker. Nostrils wrinkle. Saliva production goes into overdrive to dilute any toxins entering the mouth. The face forms itself into the universal expression of disgust. Yes, the smell is fecal, but it's so much more than that. Death, decay, and punchier notes of festering sea life. Here I am, wading waist-deep sloshing this way and that through the river of festering fat and grime. You would think it was a lonesome place, but I find the solitude strangely comforting, like a warm embrace from the mother who refused to touch you as a child for fear webbed feet are contagious. I realize I am not alone. There is a motley crew of flushed pets living off scraps of fried chicken bobbing about in the contaminated water. Hamsters to the left of me, pythons to the right, even a glorious little sausage dog that is so adorable I literally have to applaud its existence. I want to pet the little schnookums and give it a nearby treat floating in the water, but as I approach it utters a surprisingly deafening snarl, so I leave it be. Besides, I can't get caught up in the politics of this giant plug hole. I am a man on a mission. Moving onwards, rancid grease clings to the walls, festering with a colony of above-average-sized flies, their children yet to be born in translucent white eggs similar to tiny eyeballs. I feel I am being watched, but by what? I wade through the dank for what feels like hours, turning corner after corner, getting increasingly discombobulated, lighting up my anxiety to an all-time high. Where is this Blobmeister? Where is the beast lurking? I decide to put to use the skills I'd learnt from my online mindfulness course as I push through the flowing mass of fungal matter. I empty my mind, as well as my bowels, and focus on envisioning an inner light. I begin chanting into the abyss, alming and shantying to get a better sense of the architectural landscape of this pipeline. I know I am getting closer, as my rather dulcet tones reverberate with a tighter sonar frequency 
echoing against some distant wall or blockage. I can smell it before I can see it. It is an evaporate-the-hairs-in-your-nostrils type of rancid, an annihilate-all-sense-of-goodness-decrepit, as if the portaloos at Glastonbury had had sex with a rotting horse corpse in Russia and had given birth to an egg mayonnaise sandwich that had been left to rot in the Spanish sun for three drought-ridden weeks. It has a international scent to it, spicy and fermented. There are surprisingly fruity top notes that float extravagantly atop the initial layer of horror. Having spent a year working as an apprentice at the luxury perfumier Deluxe in Flux in Paris, I can recognize hibiscus, lily of the valley, and even a pinch of rosemary in the mix. It is remarkably pleasant once the initial olfactory shock subsides. With my nostrils as my guide, I labor through the liquefied fat, knowing I am nearing my destination. Trailing through the greasy water, used tampons swim about me like tadpoles wanting to play. Their blood trail leads the way. Charming little things. Yet, even with their sweet angelic presence, petrified expectancy courses adrenaline through my veins. This isn't helped by the fact that my gas reader is beginning to beep with more frequency. This means danger lies ahead. But I do not falter. Thames water, the sleeping children of the big smoke and even the British government are counting on me to accomplish my task. There it is. It looks, well, it looks non-binary, which is interesting, because of all the other fatbergs I have encountered, they have definitely been performative of gender. The fatberg in Knightsbridge? Undeniably male. It had that machismo swagger about its frame. Chinatown's fatberg? 100% female. It had the quiet dignity one only experiences in the company of a woman of a certain age. This fatberg, though, it has no gender. It is simply fatberg. I like that. I love that. I realize this could be my new thing. As for its behind, there was no end in sight. It is a thick looming mass of wet wipes, cooking oil, and muscle-enhancing steroid cream. I am spellbound, but that might be the fumes. This fat bird is colossal, a mighty warrior. It is still, it is mythic. I realize it is meditating. This is an underground Buddha undiscovered deity that a lucky old sod like me has chanced upon. I understand. In this moment, this is not an entity to destroy. It is one to worship. This insight compels me to draw closer. I move forward, trying not to disturb the oily greases surrounding us. I don't want to make a splash. Not only because I don't want to get flecks of feces in my mouth again, but I don't want to disturb the fatberg from what looks like its state of contemplation. 
I gaze at it from my measly height. The more my eyes venture across its huge bulk, the more nuances I discover. Mounds of wet wipes holding each other in a tight embrace. Some decorated with colorful depictions of Peppa Pig and her delightful brother George. Remnants of surgical masks. The distressed classical blue and the trendy baby pink that's been hitting the scene of late. There is one that has a joyful yet muted tie-dye pattern to it. I want to reach up upon my tiptoes and pluck it out. But I refrain as that feels like theft. Besides, I realize that it wasn't a tie-dye pattern at all, but rather has been submerged in urine, fecal matter, and what looks like blood from an infected wound. It embodies the charm of an organic product, which reminds me I need to go to Whole Foods to collect some pomegranate juice once my shift ends. As I peer closer into this extraordinary pile of modern living... I recognize a face forming high above in the sludge. What looks like a watery eye erupts from the giant, growing longer and longer. It has an elastic, rubbery consistency, translucent in nature, with some small amount of creamy liquid slopping about inside. As it peeks out further, I realize it is in fact a used prophylactic, gracing me with its presence, wanting to say hello, as if it had been waiting for some time for my arrival, and is now thrilled at both its appearance and mine. Next slides its partnering eye, a murky crimson noir color, very Camden goth circa 2006. It sprouts from the fatberg like a branch of a tree, thick expanding, a maroon wedge of filth and grime. Of course, it's a blood-logged piece of cotton for female flows, supersized as it has absorbed all liquids in its wake. I feel calmed by its presence, like in some way it is helping me do my job, using its porous capacities. Like the Tesco's proverb, every little helps. In the middle of the fatberg's asymmetrical eyes appear a shimmering glint, catching the flash of my headlamp. It grows longer, pointed, incisive. It glimmers and gleams, a tiny shaft of heaven. I recognize it as a half-empty syringe, mustardy liquid lounging inside the cylinder. I'll need to find out what that liquid is later. I have priorities. But before I can get back to the task at hand, a long, dirty tube mounted to a drainage bag twists into a delightfully amicable smile, completing the fatberg's face. Aha! A crumpled catheter bag. Useful whatever the occasion. The entirety of the face fits perfectly with the fatberg's demeanor. Friendly, with a hint of the Frankenstein about it. We can't help what God has given us. We just need to work with what we've got. And this fatberg had a lot. Heart racing, 
I muster the courage and address this wonderful being in front of me for the first time. Hi! Hello! Good morning! May I be so forward as to ask your name? Pardon? I didn't quite catch that. You mean... Thank you for clarifying. I must tell you, I've been sent by the humans above to discover you. But please, fear not. I mean you no harm. I find you astonishing. Please, I mean it as a compliment. I've never seen anything like you. I know we've only just met, and this may seem presumptuous on my part, but would you mind if I touch you just for a moment? It's as if the fatberg sighs in relief, letting out a cleansing belch. I take it as a sign of consent. Gently, I press a delicate finger into the fatberg's mesh of flesh. Under my touch, it is warm. Wet, slimy, sensuous, as if it is opening, spreading, desperate for human connection. I move my finger away, concerned I don't want to leave it longer than is desired. The fingerprint leaves its mark, indelibly imprinted into the surface of the fatberg, like a tattoo. I am amazed it lets this imprint stay as it could have easily slid its cooking oil, used cocoa butter, shaving foam, shampoo, residue, or excrement over it, thereby destroying this moment of human connection. But it doesn't. Who knows if it has ever been touched by a human being before, let alone with the loving reverence I am employing at this holiest of moments. Perhaps it wants to make the memory last. Fatty B, as I decide to call it, lets out a rasping sigh, as well as what looks like sulfuric gas from atop one of its volcanic holes. It is teasing me, flirting with me even. Wowee! If that isn't an invitation, I don't know what is. I am gonna give as good as I get. I begin my interpretation of the Slavic squat, stomp, and split dance. This demands tight muscles and good balance from the performer. I learned it years ago from the old sea dogs manning the nuclear rig I worked on in the Black Sea. It is difficult to perfect the lunges and kicks in the waist-deep sewage, but I do my damnedest. I know my mateys Aleko and Borislav would be proud. In response, Fatty B lets out a sharp hiss from one of its pus-ridden boils, which I take as a sign of affection. I end the routine with a series of undulating flaps of the arms, head bobbing back and forth like a pigeon. This is a choreography of courtship, a seduction in sewage, a dance in decay. I need to make my feelings known. There are no two ways about it. Long had I forgotten my original mission. The lucrative Thames Water Commission I know is in store if I eradicate this mass of man-made molecules and mold. I can't do that now. Money means nothing down here. Believe it or not, and I beg that you do, 
I am falling head over heels in love for the first time in my gray little life. And by head over heels, I mean instead of ending my dance with a skillful balletic spin, I fall arse over tit into the oily vat of fat. Not being able to swim, I choke underneath the grease, glugging it down my throat as I gasp and gag for air. I manage to thrust myself upwards to the surface, using a dilapidated tire as a stronghold. I emerge, shaking but stable, on my two hind legs. I am covered head to toe in fluids I have no name for. The benefit of this is that it offers me a covering more fitting for the occasion. It makes me blend in. Yes, I look like a mini fatberg, but a fatberg all the same. I genuinely believe it makes Fatty B more comfortable with my uninvited presence. I realize this may be rather forward, but do you want to cuddle? I take this gurgle as a resounding yes and place my sludge-like frame into this mammoth at the moment where every limb, shank, and, oh, I can't say it, meets the flesh of this festering mass. It feels as if suddenly I have arrived home. This is the first time I have felt this since I was an infant in my buggy with mother whistling the life-affirming tunes of Mary Poppins. She had a particular penchant for Feed the Birds. This somber song reverberates in my ear as I lean further into Fatty Bee's frame. It has a gelatinous quality, much like the skin of Mother. She had an affinity for trifle, and I fear ate one too many during her brief time on this cruel planet. I feel our juices flowing, merging. I am becoming one with the Fatberg. For the first time in my life, I am at peace, content, quiet. A sparkle of euphoria runs through my body, glitter twinkling along the lines of my bloodstream. I hear Fatty Bee burbling. In this moment, I begin to understand the language of the Fatberg, as if our merging has offered linguistic access. It gargles more urgently. Take, I ask, trying to decipher its lardy tongue. Take me? Deep rumble quakes the entirety of the sewer system. I am shaken to my very core, elated by this unexpected request. How did you know? My innate desire. Fatty B is clearly reading my mind. No one should underestimate the ethereal power of a glutinous godhead. A squeaky excretion of flatulence is released from one of its air holes. I translate this as, I know all. I must admit, I've always been aroused by the power of wisdom. That's why I had to take down my poster of Einstein. You know, the one where his tongue is sticking out? I was but a lad of 14, and spending far too much time busting one out that I got carpal tunnel syndrome. All my hard-earned pocket money was being burnt on Kleenex and Kiehl's hand cream. In the end, Mother made me give the splatter-stained poster to charity. But in this moment, in this sewer, I am so astounded by the wisdom of this spectacular creature in front of me that my, oh, I can't say it, 
rises to attention like the guards of Buckingham Palace. It is clear the Fatberg can feel my reinstated member of the British Empire growing. It lets out a gaseous steam trail, fogging up my protective glasses. Although the temperature hasn't changed, Fatty B starts sweating, creating dangling flaps of fat similar to hanging skin on the throats of goats or chickens known as toggles, tassels, or wattles. I know I shouldn't, but I lick one of these tassels. It is just so cute. I lick it hard, lick it good, lick it side to side like Mother taught me all those years ago. I move further, slathering my tongue along a nearby ridge of grease-infused wet wipes. My inclination was right. This wasn't a good idea. No matter, I will ignore the claggy oil slick gluing my tongue to the roof of my hard palate. I become enthralled by the Fatberg's slight wobble left to right, as if it's shedding its oily layers like clothes. It spreads itself in front of my very eyes, creating an expanding hole at the exact height of my... Oh, I can't say it! In the profound words of the great actor, rapper, and father figure Will Smith, I am ready to get jiggy with it. Against all Thames water protocol... I undo my slime-ridden rubber trousers, pull down my already stained unmentionables, and enter this hole of paradise. A gaseous spray billows from the edges of the fatberg like dry ice. In, out, in, out, shake it all about. You do the pokey pokey and you fuck it in the spout. That's what it's all about. Fatty bead moans with my force. Fat pustules leap from its makeshift face. As I try to look into its eyes for added romance, I realize its peepers are closing. The used prophylactic and bloated tampon have shifted into a horizontal position, morphing into a charming anime character's eyes, closing in bliss. However difficult it is to truly know what a fatberg is thinking, I make an educated guess that it is thoroughly enjoying this celestial lovemaking session. Do you like that? Do you like that? I decipher from the spurts and sputters. Aha! So, you like talking dirty, eh? Makes sense. Well then, I will take you. Can you feel me taking you? I jolly well will work you. Can you feel me working you? Now, my treasured heart of the underworld, as requested, I'm going to kill you. Can you feel me killing you? <laughs> ba boom I'm going to kaboom! I explode into the seeping mass. Soldiers of semen surging through this sewage cylinder specially constructed for my... Oh, I can't say it. This is the greatest, most visceral splurge I have ever conducted. I cut a straight line through the fatberg, slicing it in two. Such is my force. These two gigantic halves splutter for a moment. Suddenly... Dreadfully, these two Hawkeye-like waves of deadly grime explode. A thou 
thousand tiny molecules of fat float in the air like glistening fireflies before tumbling delicately into the oily water below, lapping at my industrial-grade wellingtons. The 750-meter-long fatberg had been decimated by one mighty shot of fluid spermatozoon from Mr. Gary Strange. As soon as my new love was found, it was gone, obliterated. I blink back tears, but can't hold back for long. Had I really destroyed the only individual I'd ever loved? Had I annihilated my only sense of home? Why was I born with such a forceful manhose? Why? I howl with an intensity I haven't experienced since the full moon. Moans reverberating off this Victorian monument to modernity and machismo. Sloshing through the wreckage, I see one of Fatty B's makeshift eyes lapping at my crumpled hand. I pluck it from the sludgy water using delicate forefinger and thumb, still tied in a perfect knot. This prophylactic's inner creamy slime prompts a realization. Gary, I thought, if you had used one of these as protection, perhaps your beloved wouldn't have suffered from your... Oh, I can't say it. As was ever thus, hindsight is a blessing and a curse. But you can't have regrets in this world. It's just too uncomfortable. Deflated. I toss the greasy condom to the side, narrowly missing a nearby water rat who proceeds to attack the slippery rubber with its teeth, gnawing at the membrane to slurp down the life-giving liquid within. What do I care if scavengers peck at its remains? Fatty Bee is dead. Go ahead, little water rat. Eat your fill. Weighed down by woe, I slop through the remnants, making out traces of everyday objects that made up the thick-crusted mountain I once knew as my love. A kebab box here, a tampon applicator there, even a few baggies of what looked like crack cocaine, and lo and behold, in amongst the wreckage, I spot a small beady eye winking at me from the light of my head torch. As I reach for the body this eye is attached to, I pull out the soft frame of a teddy bear. Tears of disbelief ripple down my cheeks. It's Rupert. My Rupert. Rupert the bear. I knew it was him, as he only had one eye. I had pulled the other off with my gnashers when I was teething as a wee babe. He still had the fountain pen stained trousers I had used as a blotting pad when I learned to write my A, B, C's. I know it sounds like I treated Rupert badly, but in fact, the opposite is true. I love this cuddly bundle of joy so dearly, I would hold him next to my heart wherever I went. One frightful afternoon, when I was having a tantrum in my buggy, I catapulted poor Rupert into an open drain, never to be seen again. Till today, almost 37 and a half years later, discovered in the remnants of a murdered fatberg 
almost as if Fatty B had given birth to Rupert. Had I just become the father of my long-lost childhood friend? I peer into his putrefying yet still good-natured furry face. He wants to tell me something. I lift him to my ear. Quietly, ever so quietly, he whispers. It was what the Fatberg wanted. It was time. It needed to be freed from this underground prison. You are here on a mission, Gary. You completed that mission. And in the meantime, fell in love. What more could you dream for than freeing a loved one from pain? It was a mercy killing. You did good, Gar. You did good. I thank Rupert for his undeniable acumen, patting him on the head whilst calming my stirring... Oh, I can't say it. I had had enough wisdom for that day. Dazed, I slide little Rupert into the safety of my right Wellington boot so he can peep out and look at the scenery if it pleases him. I pull up my rubber trousers, a changed man. I leave the way I came, out the sewer, up the ladder, and into the star-speckled night. Dennis Davis, my superior, is delighted by my arrival. I didn't think you'd come out alive, old boy. You've upended all expectations. Destroying that fatberg single-handedly has saved the citizens of the South Bank from regurgitating toilets and sinks. They can sleep soundly now, as can you. Go forth and feel free to take off your shirt while you're at it. Those pecks won't worship themselves. Yes, I may have annihilated the love of my life, but I selflessly served my community. Even if they won't notice, it still means something. Besides, there's plenty more fatbergs to flush. I'm awarded a Medal of Honor, Thames Water's highest commendation. The award is made from a genuine pile of wet wipes and sanitary pads found in the sewers, which is a cute touch. With Rupert in my blazer pocket, as I accept the award, I feel a piece of the fatberg is with me, especially because, like in childhood, I hadn't washed Rupert. It's true that after three weeks, I still can't scrub off the lingering scent of fecal matter. It's also true I've suffered permanent lung damage from the hydrogen sulfite. I have a CAT scan next Tuesday as I've been experiencing blackouts. But I regret nothing. What's the moral of this story, you ask? It's simple. Don't flush wet wipes down the toilet. But if you do, don't be surprised if you fall in love with your very own creation. Hi. Hello. Good day. Or night, if that's when you happen to be listening. Bye-bye now. Farewell. See you later. Clown Sex is written, performed, and produced by Natasha Sutton-Williams. The director is Phoebe Ladenberg. The executive producer 
is Christopher Hogg. The sound designer is Matthew McGuinness. The music consultant and pianist is Morgan Hayes. The studio director is John Wakefield. The original music is composed and performed by Natasha Sutton Williams. (laughs) 